So in the Mimer so far, we explained that the mitzvah of lighting the menorah when the sun sets is representing the mitzvah of Hanukkah, what the mitzvah of Hanukkah accomplishes. That the accomplishment of the mitzvah of Hanukkah is specifically in the sunset, meaning in the darkness. But darkness, sunset, represents two levels. There's the sunset below, which is something which is negative, and the sunset above, which is a very high level. The sunset above is in the words of Kabbalah, when Zah is setting into Malchus of Atzilus. And the sunset below is when there becomes the potential for impurity, for negativity, for klipa, to stand up and say, I exist and I'm self-sufficient, some gesund. I exist and I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anything to fuel my existence. And we live in the world of the sunset below. Our objective, though, is to take this sunset below and change it so that you don't see the negativity, but rather it's connected to the sunset above. And through doing that, not only do we lift it up to its source, but it goes even higher than its source. Because its source, at the end of the day, is inside of the structure of Seder Hishtalshlus, of the hierarchy of creation, of the evolution of creation. And if you're transforming the negative into positive, then that transformation taps into a power which goes beyond this evolutionary process. A transcendent light. And we said the same is true also with the end time for lighting the menorah, which is Ad Shetichle Regal Minashuk Rigla de that there's the positive level of that, the Shuk is the legs, the thighs of Hashem, and the, um, uh, the, the, the regal is the Yamim Tevim, the holidays, and there's the negative, which is a public domain, a place where godliness is not openly apparent, and a place where there are murdim, where there are rebellion, rebellers, those who rebel against the kingship of heaven that are walking around comfortable and doing whatever they want. And our objective is to go into the shuk as we see it, the negative place, into that marketplace and cause that the light of the menorah should transform it and thereby bring it to an even higher level and accomplish the objective of dira betachtenim, of a dwelling place for the essence of Hashem here inside of this world. That's what we said so far in the Maimer. Now we continue with Oisvav, the sixth chapter of this Maimer. And says, in, in Oisvav basically, it tells us that accomplishing this is something which gives Hashem great pleasure and a greater pleasure than anything else that can possibly be. And this is what Oisvav starts with. It says, The pleasure. Pleasure is the deepest level inside of the levels that we're familiar with. In other words, we know there are ten spheres. The ten spheres, are you familiar with the ten spheres? The ten powers of godliness. Is it a Kabbalah? It's Kabbalah, yeah. I've seen it. Okay. So in those levels, 
there are three intellectual levels and six emotional levels and a final level of malchus, which is sometimes bunched together with those emotional levels, or it represents thought, speech, and action. That's the revealed levels as they are. But then deeper than them, you have a level which is referred to as keser. A keser is a crown which is surrounding. That keser represents the power of ratzin, of will. Because ratzin, will, is something that is deeper than any of the levels that we expressed, that we discussed. And you see that also inside of a person. A person's intellect is in his brain. His emotions are in his heart. And this is something that you can recognize practically. When you think a lot at the end of a day in yeshiva, your head hurts, right? (laughs) When a person is undergoing a very emotional experience, whether positive or not, then his heart hurts, literally, his heart hurts. And to the point that chas v'shalom, it can affect the heart. So you see that the seat of the intellect is in the brain and the seat of the emotions are in the heart. This isn't just a Kabbalistic concept, it's an actual practical idea. Where is the seat of will inside of one's body? Where is the ratzin inside of you? It's not in your brain, it's not in your heart, it's not in your livers. You have two? Seven. Is it blood? I I had a Russian doctor. So he said, keep your heart healthy, drink a lot. He said, the liver is easy to replace, the heart not so much. Um, so the, the various, it's not inside of any of the limbs, not even in your appendix. Where is your ratzin? Your ratzin is everywhere, everywhere inside of you and nowhere inside of you. So this demonstrates this. As soon as you have a will to move your finger, your finger moves. That demonstrates that the will is inside of the finger. In the language and idea that Chassidus brings across, it says there's no time lapse between the will to move your finger and the finger actually moving. Now scientifically, I know that this idea has been challenged, that there's some type of minute time lapse, but I don't know. In any case, the idea is representing how the Ratzin is everywhere inside of you. But it's nowhere inside of you because the Ratzin doesn't have a seat inside of your finger. It doesn't have a seat inside of any limb inside of you the way that your emotions have a seat inside of your heart. Now, even though when your emotions are active, then it's going to cause a effect in your entire body, but the seat, the, 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 the place where it begins is inside of your heart. And the reason why the Ratzin is everywhere and nowhere is because the Ratzin is a transcendent level, which is hinted in its representation, which is Kesser, a crown. A crown is a transcendent level over a person. It sits above a person and surrounds his head. And similarly, the Ratzin is a transcendent level. But the Ratzin is not the innermost level inside of a person. There's a drive inside of the Ratzin as well. And the drive inside of the Ratzin is Tainuk. And that's the level which we're discussing over here in this ice. Pleasure. Pleasure is even deeper than Ratzin. And this is something which is um, represented in scientific knowledge that the deepest 
drive of a person is his pleasure. And there's this essential pleasure which which moves a person forward. We discussed this level of pleasure in the Lichadoidi Maimer that we learned. And you could listen to the classes on Lichadoidi in connection to that. But this is the concept of Tainug, of pleasure. This deep level, a deep level which is transcendent even above the transcendent level of Ratzin. And this is something that we elicit above through our divine service. When we do what we need to do, and this uh, uh, this paragraph in the Mimer is going to explain how that occurs, when we do what we need to do, then it causes tainug, it causes pleasure. And the Mimer says in the parentheses, after the word tainug, it says chuka, a yearning, because the yearning is representing the tainug, the pleasure, because a person has a pleasure in something, he yearns for that thing, and above the same is true, because Hashem has a tainug in a pleasure, in Jews, serving Him, here, below, therefore Hashem has a chuka. the root of the word chuka is that word shuk, right? A yearning for chuka, chuka. It's a, a, a yearning for the Yidin, oh. which is higher than this. I'm sorry. Let me start this again. The pleasure that is above. From this, that a person transforms the shuk, which is Rishus Rabim, the public domain, which is Turi de Preda, the mountains of separateness, as we discussed earlier in the Mimer, and he transforms that, Lurshus Hayachid, to a private domain. A private domain meaning something that is controlled, that is displaying the connection to Yechidei Shalaylam, to Hashem Echad, which in the impractical terms is the Aveda, the divine service of Ishapcha Chashaycha Lenaheira, transforming darkness into light. That means that we're going into a place of darkness and we're transforming that darkness into light. To go into a place of light and shine with light is not such a great accomplishment. But to to light the Menorah, Al Pesach Beis on the outside of your home, shining into the Rishus Rabim, into the Shuk. When the sun is setting and it's a place of darkness, and to allow that that darkness darkness should be filled with light, transforming darkness into light, that's the highest level of tainug of pleasure. This elicits by Hashem a deep pleasure. And that's the accomplishment of this Aveda, the Aveda which is represented in lighting the Menorah. So, um, is this level of Ratzon and on the people of Tainu, um, found, I know it's not, you said it's not found in one place in the body. Is it represented in one aspect in the soul? Or is it, is it even transcendent from that? It's connected to the Yechida Shabin Afesh. The, the Ratzon is connected to the Chaya, and the Tainug is connected to the Yechida. What's the Chiddush? A novelty. Something unusual. And this is... I, I've told you the joke too many times of... Uh, it's one of my father's favorites. That uh, this guy came into an old age home. He sees there's a bunch of old folks sitting together. And one of them says... 69, and everyone starts laughing. The other one says 43, everyone starts laughing. The other one says 80, 87, and everyone starts laughing. And so on and so forth. And he's looking around, he says, what's going on? 
so they say we've been sitting here for so long that we've all just become accustomed to the jokes that we tell and retell and retell. So we decided instead of just retelling the joke, we assigned each joke a number, and uh, each person says a number, and this way uh, it shortens the conversation. They just say the number, and everyone could laugh at the joke. You know, there's only a limited amount of jokes out there. <laughs> Once you've reached it, you've reached it, and that's it. Um, so uh, this guy says, okay, so let me try. So he gets up and he says, 95, stone silence. He says, maybe I picked a bad number. So 16, nothing. He says, 104, <laughs> nothing doing. So he turns to the guy, he says, what's the matter? I'm saying the numbers, the num- are these numbers not assigned to good jokes? So the guy says, no, no, they're good jokes, but you have to know how to tell a joke. <laughs> So, the, the, there's a concept of tainug, of pleasure, that comes from a joke. What's the idea of a joke? How do you tell a joke in a way that the joke is effective? How do you tell a joke? So, the telling of a joke needs to be in a way that the ending is completely unexpected. It just like hits you from left field and that's what brings out the reaction of laughter. If it's something expected, something you're used to, you know where the joke is going, then it's it, it doesn't cause people to laugh. Then you have to hold up the laugh sign behind them (laughs) in order to make everyone laugh. So, as it's known with regard to the concept of laughter, that this is an idea of of pleasure, it comes from a novelty, something unexpected. That's what causes the person to laugh. When you get your monthly salary, it doesn't cause you to laugh. But if you open up your monthly salary, I could uh, <laughs> maybe you have some strings you could pull for me. If you open up your monthly envelope and in there is an extra $10,000, that gives you a feeling of laughter. Why? Because it's completely unexpected. You weren't expecting it to be there. Um, so this is the idea of tzchayk, of tainug, of pleasure, that comes midvar chidush. It comes from a novelty. It comes from something unusual. And it's the same also by God. You have to know how to tell a joke to God. How do you tell a joke to God? Do something he doesn't expect. Which brings us, obviously, to the conversation which David brought up um, uh, after class yesterday of Bechira and Yedia, because in the end of the last chapter of this Mimer, we started speaking about free choice, about Bechira. And Hashem knows everything. Hashem knows everything that's going to occur but you could still surprise him. You could surprise God. And when you surprise God, it causes a deep pleasure by God. A pleasure on the level of tzchayk. And how do you surprise God? You surprise God by changing what he created. He created darkness, which is concealment, which hides him, and you go into that darkness and reveal him there. You show Hashem inside of the darkness. If you show Hashem inside of the darkness, 
that is a chiddush, a novelty, which gives Hashem great and deep pleasure. It makes him laugh. And we're going to see this also. This isn't just something, we're going to see that it's an actual thing. This comes from the novelty, the of transforming darkness into light. You know in general that the transformation of darkness into light is the greatest tool, the greatest power that a person can have if you're fighting an enemy. If you have night vision goggles and they don't, then they lost. They can't hide from you and you could hide from them. There's, there's no war, there's no battle. The transformation of darkness into light is the greatest tool a person can have and this is the novelty which makes Hashem laugh. This is how you could be a comedian for God. You can't tell him the jokes because he heard them all a million times. He heard the whole book. I had a, a, My father had a big red book, as we called it, an encyclopedia of Jewish humor. Every joke you want is in there in some format or other. It's all there. Once you've done it, you've done it. Once you've heard it, you've heard it. You can't make Hashem laugh by telling him a joke. But you can make Hashem laugh by doing something which he doesn't expect, so to speak, by the transformation of darkness into light. Shehu tainug gadol yeser misha'ar hatanugim shaba'ilam that this is a greater pleasure than any other pleasure that exists in the world. Every other pleasure doesn't compare to this pleasure of the unexpected. The unexpected gives a person such a deep pleasure that you can't, you, you, you can't begin to appreciate how deep that pleasure is. And the Mimer is going to bring two examples from Gemara Bab Metzia, and I'm going to share you the context of those Gemaras, those um, references, because they're fascinating. It says in the Gemara. So first we have a Gemara in Bab Metzia. The Gemara is on Daf Pei Hei Amad where it speaks about Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi, and it tells how Rabbi traveled to various places to the children or grandchildren of Amiraim, of the great Torah scholars that had passed away, and those children were not getting a proper education, they were not being brought up properly, they were on a wayward path. And it says how Rebbe reached out to them and lifted them up and helped them become Torah scholars themselves. It first tells the story how Rebbe went to the locale where Rebbe Lazar ben Reb Shimon, Rebbe Lazar, the son of Reb Shimon bar Yechai, lived. And he said to the people over there who lived over there, does Rabbi Lazar ben Reb Shimon have a son, a grandson to Reb Shimon by Yechai, a son to Rabbi Lazar? And they told him, yes, he has a son. And the way that they described the son was that any harlot who is usually hired for two coins, in other words, double the standard going rate, so a harlot of um, exceptional beauty, she hires him for eight coins. In other words, that's how good his services are. And uh, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi said, bring him to me. And they brought him to Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, and Rabbi Yehuda Nasi gave him smicha. It was a conditional smicha. And he said, here, I'm going to call you a, a rabbi, like your father and grandfather, who were from the greatest rabbis of the Tanoik, of the, the, the period of the Tanoim. 
I'm going to call you a rabbi. Now all you need to do is go and earn this title. <laughs> I'm giving you an honorary degree. All you need to do is earn this degree. And then Rabbi Hudanasi gave him over to Rabbi Shimon ben Isi ben Lakainya. And he said to Rabbi Shimon, he said, you educate him. Rabbi Shimon was this boy's uncle. He was his mother's brother. And as an uncle, he felt an extra responsibility to take care of this child. Every single day, this boy, his name was Rabbi Yaisi, this boy would say to his uncle, Rabbi Shimon, he says, I want to go home. I want to go home. I can't. I, I hate school. I don't want to be here. I don't want to learn. Finally, one day, Rabbi Shimon Benisi said to him, he said, here they want to make you a Torah scholar. They want to make you into a Rav and spread gold garments upon you and call you Rabbi. And you say, I want to go home. Finally, he reached him and he said, okay, I'm not bringing that up ever again. And um, uh, he grew up and he reached a level of learning that he was able to go to the academy, to the yeshiva of Rabbi Huda Anasi himself. And Rabbi Huda Anasi was walking amongst the students and he heard the voice of this boy learning and he heard that his voice was similar to the voice that he was familiar with from Rabbi Lazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yechai. And he expressed the, the, the delight that he had at seeing him over there. This is one story. Um, it continues the story, but that's not for now. And then it says another story again, where Rabbi Yehuda Anasi went to the, to the place of Rabbi Tarfan and he asked the people over there if Rabbi Tarfin had any children. And again, there was a wayward child who Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi brought around and helped him um, do tshuva and learn Torah. And the Gemara then asks, Why did Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi go to such great lengths in order to reach these children? And the Gemara answers, the Amr Rabbi Yehuda, Amr Rav. Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Rav, the Amri Law, there are others that say that Rabbi Chia says in, Rabbi Chia Bar Abba says in the name of Rabbi Yechanan, and others say that Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Nachmeni, said in the name of Rabbi Yehnasan. Kol Hamelamid ben Chaveri Teira, anyone who teaches his friend's child Teira. He merits to sit in the yeshiva above, in the yeshiva before Hashem. And it quotes a pasuk to demonstrate this point, that the pasuk says, Im tashuv, If you, Yidin, will return, then va'ashivcha, I will bring you back. And lefanai tamoid, Hashem says, you will stand before me in the yeshiva shalmaila in the academy above in heaven. And then the Gemara continues and says, ben am someone who teaches the son of an am ha'aretz, of an ignoramus teira. Then it's even more than that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu geyzer gzeira, Hashem makes a decree and mevatla b'shviloi and he negates this decree for this person who taught the child of an ignoramus Torah. And again, it quotes a pasuk, as we're going to see in our Maimer, If you extract toitzi, if you extract yakar, something precious, from a base surrounding, from a cheap surrounding, you take a diamond out of the rough, then you will be like my mouth, Hashem says, that like my mouth decrees and what I decree is something which is supposed to stay, you will be like my mouth, that you can undo that decree.
You can change that decree. And the Marsha says that these two levels are, rep- are represented in the Aveda that was done. The reward is according to the accomplishment. The accomplishment of teaching one's child, one's friend's child, excuse me, one's friend's child's Torah means that you're bringing that child from wherever he is and you're bringing him to sit in a yeshiva like Rabbi Lazar, like, like Rabbi Yaisi, the son of Rabbi Lazar, the son of Rabbi Shem Vayichoy, who ended up in Rabbi Huda Nasi's yeshiva. So therefore you too merit to be in the yeshiva Shomailah, in the yeshiva above. And if you're transforming this jewel, which is completely em- embedded inside of the mud, inside of the dirt and the filth, and you're transforming it into an object of beauty, then that transformation, which is supernatural, so to speak, is a transformation which you earn through it also this supernatural reward that what you need um, is performed in a way that goes against what should have occurred according to Hashem's decree. Let's see this inside. Let's go back into the Pnim of the Maimer and soon I'm going to read to you another fascinating Gemara which you may have heard before. The accomplishment of a novelty of telling Hashem a joke is a greater pleasure than anything that exists inside of the world. This is that which our sages say. That The Gemara that we just learned. Anyone who teaches the son of an ignoramus Even if Hashem decrees a decree. He is mevatolet, he negates it on behalf of this person. Shenemar, as it says in the verse, vim yakar if you will extract something precious from this cheap surrounding kefitia, you will be like my mouth, Hashem says. And the Maimer explains along the lines of the Marsha that I mentioned to you. This that the, the, the tzaddik who taught this child Torah is able to transform, to change over the decree that Hashem had decreed. Whatever that decree may be. Va'af, and even though that he knows that Hashem decreed that way. He knows that Hashem decreed something. And he's able to change that decree and say, you Hashem said X and I am saying Y. And you know who it's going to follow? Me. It's going to be Y, not X. How can he do that? Gufa who in Hakadosh Baruch Hu, because this itself is a deeper will within Hashem. It's like a father who has a child who he loves, and he engages his child in a debate to teach his child the art of debate, and he argues with the child, but he wants that the child should win him in the debate, should come up with such cleverness that's able to disprove his arguments. And when his child wins the debate, it gives him the deepest pleasure that his child was able to disprove him. That's what it means, gufa. this itself, this is what Hashem wants. That the tzaddik should negate this decree. You with me, Adam? You look tired. And Hashem has tremendous nachas from this and a great pleasure.
I don't know how to translate the word nachas. <laughs> Hashem has great nachas and a deep pleasure from this. Like our sages teach. So this is another Gemara. And again, a fascinating Gemara. You probably have come across it at some point, but I'm going to read it to you. One second, sorry. So the Gemara over there is discussing a specific type of um, oven. It's an oven that instead of being baked is um, binded together by cement. And because it's not baked, there's an argument amongst the sages whether it's actually considered a vessel. And if it's not considered a vessel, then it cannot be mekabel tumah. It cannot get any impurity. The chachamim, the sages, argued that it's tamay, and Rabbi Eliezer argued that it is tahar, that, 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 that it's pure, and the Chachamim, the sages, said that it's impure. And the Gemara then continues and says, V'zehu taner shal achnoi. This is the oven of the coiled serpent. And the Gemara explains, May achnoi, what does this mean? And the Gemara tells a fascinating story. It says, Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Shmuel. Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Shmuel, Sheikifu dvarim ka'achna zu v'tim'uhu. It means that the Chachamim surrounded Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer was a great sage. And he, they surrounded him with discussions like a coiled snake and declared it to be susceptible to impurity. And the Gemara then tells the story. Tana. On that day, Heshiv Rebeliezer called Shuvay Shabbat Rebeliezer argued every possible argument to demonstrate to the sages that this, this oven should be susceptible to impurity. They did not accept any of the arguments from him. He proved to them brilliant proofs. And despite his Proofs, despite what he said, they did not accept it from him. Amar Lahem, they said to him, <coughs> excuse me, Amar Lahem, they said to him, Im halacha kameisi, if the halacha follows me, Rebbe Eliezer, then, charuv ze yechiach, he finished his logical arguments. So now he's coming to super, super logical arguments. And he says, if the if, if I'm right, if I'm correct, let this carob tree prove that I'm right. And what happened? The carob tree lifted itself up and moved 200 feet. That's a pretty powerful argument, no? <laughs> and some say that it, 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 it traveled 800 feet. And they said, sorry, the Chachamim responded to him, you can't bring proofs from a tree. So he said, then if the halacha is like me, then let the water canal prove it. And the water canal started flowing backwards instead of forwards. And they said to him, sorry, you can't bring proofs from a, from a amas hamayim, from a water canal. So he said, if the halacha is like me, let the walls of the base Hamedrish prove it. And the walls started to lean inside, the leaning tower. They started to lean inside. And as they were leaning, Rabbi Yeshua stood up and he shouted at the walls. And he said to them, there are Talmidei Chachamim that are in the middle of an argument. What are you doing mixing in over here? Stay out of it. And the walls just stood over there. They were afraid to continue to fall because of the honor of Rabbi Shua, and they were afraid to move back into place because of the honor of Rabbi Eliezer. And they're still standing, leaning like that to this day. Okay. So he said to them, if the Allah is like me, let the heaven prove it. And indeed, a heavenly voice came out, a basco, 
called out and said, the halacha follows Rebeliezer. Why are you arguing against Rebeliezer, the Baskal said? The halacha follows him always. And Rabbi Yeshua again <laughs> stood up and said, the Torah is not in the heavens. You stay out of it. <laughs> Don't mix into our arguments. The Gemara says, "My light, What does it mean? It's not in the heavens. So Rabbi Yirmiya said, The Torah was already given from Har Sinai to us. And it's our determination that decides if it's pure or impure now. You no longer have any say in it. It's ours now. <laughs> we don't pay attention to heavenly echoes. You already wrote by Harsinai in the Torah, that you follow the majority. You follow the majority. Now there's a Bacher once that told me, he was traveling somewhere. He said that on the plane I watched the movie. So I said, my hi, how could you do something like that? So he said, The Torah is not in the heavens. So on the plane he could watch the movie. Anyways, um, <laughs> So, just <laughs> laugh. It's a joke. So the Gemara continues, and this is the point that we're leading up to. And it says, Ashkechei Reb Nassan Reb Nassan found, he, he came across Elio Anavi. Wasn't something unusual for the sages of the Gemara. And Amarle, he said to Leo Navi, he says, "Listen, we're down here, we're carrying out our arguments, and I could imagine that uh, this Rabbi Yeshua, that's pointing his finger to heaven and saying, you stay out of it,' is a pretty chutzpidic expression of Rabbi Yeshua." And he asked him, "My Ovid what did God do? What was Hashem doing at that moment when Rabbi Yeshua rejected the Baskal? So Amar Leh, Elio responded and said, Kachiyech. Hashem was sitting and laughing. <laughs> Amar and he said, Netzchuni banai Netzchuni. My children won me. My children won me. Won. They won over. They they prevailed over me. They won the argument. Hashem <laughs> laughed and said, "My children." So now let's see inside of the maimer. Val derech maimer azal, like our sages say. Yeah. And now we have it over here in the Maimer. My Ovid What was Hashem doing at that time? Kachiyach, he was laughing. Va'amar, and he said, My children have won over me. They have won over me. The Mizesh and From this that my children have won over me. This is the Chiddush, the novelty. And like the pleasure, like I told you earlier, that the father would feel if his child cleverly outwitted him in a debate that's the pleasure that Hashem felt above there occurred above by Hashem the greatest possible pleasure the smiling and the laughing that Hashem expressed as a result of the sages outwitting Hashem, so to speak, in their arguments. Just like it's true with regard to halacha, that when it comes to halacha, if, if we outwit Hashem and prove the halacha in a specific way, in a certain way, then it gives Hashem this deep pleasure, the pleasure of 
um, laughter. Shakadish Burhu Mechaich Vaim and Tskuni Bani Nitskuni. Shem laughs and says, My children went over me, Al Derek Zobinegela Alikasa Ilam. It's the same true also with regards to the world. What's with regards to the world? So practically we're going to read inside. Halichis Ailam is also connected to the concept of halacha, by the way. But what the Mimer is trying to emphasize is specifically um the ways of the world. What does it mean, the ways of the world? So Hashem created a darkness. Hashem created a telephone. That the telephone is filled with distractions. Filled with distractions. There are two billion videos of cats chasing buttons that you could just sit and watch all day long, like this, and never stop watching, just be completely amazed. And that is the natural order of the telephone, as you see, there are two billion videos like that. And how many videos of Shiurim are there? Not quite as many, (laughs) right? Not quite as many. And yet, if you go and transform this darkness, into light and you use the telephone not to distract you from connecting to Hashem but as a way to enhance your connection to Hashem then Hashem sits and laughs and says Nitzchuni Banai Nitzchuni you won you won I created darkness and you transformed it into light Let's read this inside. The conduct of the world. The decrees of the Holy One, blessed be He. That Hashem, the Holy One, blessed be He, has a nachas ruach, a tremendous nachas, and a tainu gagadol, a huge pleasure. Mizeh from this. In the brackets, as our sages say, with regard to the sanctification of the new moon, that Atem, you are the ones that decide when the new month starts. Even if you are doing it deliberately against logic, for whatever reason you're doing it deliberately against logic, but even if you're deliberately following against logic, you are the ones that decided, and not I. And now, from now on, everything is determined based on your determination of when the new month is. That's when Pesach is going to be, that's when Sukkot is going to be, that's when Yom Kippur is going to be, all based off of your determination. And not only that, that determination of the new month has practical implications here in this world. Because... Everything has certain dates that it revolves around. And those dates that those things revolve around depend on a date on the calendar. And that day on the calendar could be a day earlier or a day later, or even a month later sometimes, based on the determination of Bastin. And that determination changes everything. So you're able to transform the nature of the world. Even when the sages um, sanctified the new moon purposely, opposite of the rule, the laws of Torah, the new month is sanctified as they decided. And even then, Hashem says to the Bastin Shomayla, to the heavenly Bastin, and says to them, Ani va'atem, I and you cannot determine when Pesach is. You want to know when Pesach is? Nelech, we need to go Eitzel Beistin Shomayla to the Beistin below and ask them because they're the only ones that can make that determination. And now the Maimer goes back to what we said earlier and says, V'zehu ben This is the meaning of anyone who teaches the child of an ignoramus Torah, Chulu, etc. And this is the Chiddush, the novelty. You're taking a child who, by all natural tendencies, should be growing up to be a vagabond. And you're taking him and turning him into a great scholar. 
Shanemar, as it says in the Pasuk, Ve'im Taitzi Yakar Mizailel Kefitia, that if you extract that which is precious from this base, cheap surrounding, then you will be like my mouth, Hashem says, Ki Shalemaila, the pleasure, the laughter above who mehaveida the birr This comes from the divine service of refining the sparks. The sparks are trapped here below, in the klipa, in the darkness. They're trapped inside of it. And you're going and breaking open the klipa and extracting the spark. Lahitsi yakar mizailel. You're extracting the precious godly sparks from this base surrounding. Vilochain and therefore Zeshamelamed Umefitzteira Chutza. This that this person is teaching and spreading out. He's teaching and spreading out Teira outside. Gam Leben Amaaretz, even to the child of this ignoramus. Alav Amru about him it is said that HaKadosh Baruch the Holy One blessed be he decrees a decree and this tzaddik who taught this child can annul it can get rid of this decree since from the divine service of this tzaddik in teaching the child Torah and this caused Hashem to laugh because it was so to speak unexpected to him this caused Hashem to laugh. It caused the Tainug and Tzchayk So therefore, Hashem says, if you can do something which is unexpected to me, then you have the power over my decree. You can change that which is expected. That which is expected is that my decree stands and you're able to transform that and cause that my decree should be annulled. L'chein HaKadosh Baruch Hu Geizer Gzeira V'Tzadik Mevatla Hashem decrees a decree and the Tzadik negates it V'Kudsha Berichu Kachich and Hashem laughs. Hashem doesn't get angry that the tzaddik is going and turn, uh, overturning his decrees. Hashem laughs. And he says, My children have um, vanquished me, have won over me. My children have won over me. That's it for today. Well, yeah, let's make a song.